Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. Available in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Use the promo code FINADICS when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfectville. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your second place Miami Dolphins, now part of the Fanatics Network. I am Sam Marcoux, and he, well, he's the doctor and the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Dr. Christopher Colon. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? It was a Christmas miracle on Saturday. Are you kidding me? I'm doing great. And I got a Christmas present. As you can see, I can uh, help from getting people COVID, and I uh, keep my face warm. It's really cold in North Carolina. And by the way, was that a yellow flag that you just threw at me and the, and the viewers? That was a yellow flag, and I am wearing a referee's jersey. Why? Because I want to know what it's like to have all the power in the NFL. So a lot of people think it's the owners or the commissioner or possibly a star quarterback. But no, Chris, as we saw Saturday night in Las Vegas, the power lies with the Zebras because they saw Byron Jones sneeze somewhere in the vicinity of another wide receiver for their Las Vegas Raiders. And what they do, they threw the flag and almost cost us not only the game, Chris, but almost cost us the sweet, sweet playoff spot for the Miami Dolphins, who are now the five seed after a miracle absolutely batshit fits magical come from behind victory against those very Las Vegas Raiders. As Chris mentioned, uh, we were watching the game on Saturday, a Christmas miracle. Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, happy holidays to everybody out there. Hope you guys had an amazing time. And I hope you guys had as much fun as we had Saturday night going up and down that Miami Dolphins roller coaster. because at the end of the day with 19 seconds left, I guarantee just about all of you were thinking the way I was, Chris, that this game was over and the Miami Dolphins were going to need a lot of help to get into the playoffs. But instead, Fitzmagic gets his face ripped off. While that's happening, he throws the ball. Mac Hollins finally catches the ball. He does the opposite of what his Jakeem Grant impression was all game long. We get the 15-yard penalty tacked on the end of that 24-yard catch and uh, out of bounds, uh, catch, throw and catch, whatever you want to call it, from Fitzmagic to Mac Hollins. Two plays later, we're kicking the game-winning field goal with Mr. Big Dick himself, Jason Sanders, and the Miami Dolphins escape Las Vegas with house money now 10 and five, five seed overall based on how some uh, games broke on Sunday. What do you make of it? It was a whirlwind game, Chris. Oh, Ocean's 11 heist. Like that was unbelievable to go in there. That ending sequence, Sam. Let's not even get into the two of Fitz magic thing. Him coming in there, getting his fucking face torn completely around and completing that pass. When he threw it, you're just like, well, flag at least, or at least guaranteed an extra 15 yards of reset. But then he's wide open and he catches it. Like we've been talking all week about how bad the defense is for the Raiders, but didn't look at too much against us up until that drive, which Oh my God, just looking at the face of, of Gruden, uh, Carr celebrating on the sideline after they make the field goal, uh, Jacob sliding to purposely not go in the end zone, but Bobby McCain like cartoonishly grabbing his cleat and trying to pull him into the end zone to give them points. All that scenario is fucking batshit insane, Sam. And it was just one of those moments. I couldn't sit down watching the game. It's a Saturday night, so everyone's excited. No work the next day. We're all freaking booze flowing. And we're depressed. We're sad. We're sad in the man cave. The dolphin man cave. It was sad in here. And then the unbelievable happens. And he gets his head ripped around, completes the pass. Tack on 15. Sanders makes it. That's right there. I was like, of course, that miracle is going to happen. And you know, you're, everybody was thinking miss. Like everyone's thinking miss. Uh, and he nails it. He nails it. We win the fucking game. John Gruden literally, here's a reenactment, wearing his mask. He's just like angry. Angry Matt, if you're not a viewer, he just did the squint, man, the squint, and just was just heartbroken. Carr couldn't believe it. No one can, can, can believe it. And two weeks in a row, we eliminated an AFC team from the playoffs. 
so many things had to happen in the specific order that they happened in order for this to even happen, Chris. I mean, that that is the beauty of Fitz magic right there. I mean, we've had instances this season where Tua Mania was running wild, and this week we had Fitz magic just dropping sprinkle dust, fairy dust all over everything. I, look, we'll get to Tua and Fitzpatrick in a minute because that is the story going into Week 17. That is now the new battleground for Miami Dolphins. fans. It's, it's Ryan Tannehill 2.0. Do you like Tua or not? Uh, we're there. We're already there in his rookie season, but we're going to put that aside for half a second because you mentioned some things, Chris. I, I referenced it with the referee call here. This all started essentially with Byron Jones being flagged for – a bullshit, I think, is the most appropriate way to say it. Bullshit pass interference call, which, yes, he had his hand on his shoulder, but, man, he was giving the dude a massage. He was, like, pumping him up to catch the ball. He didn't really impede with him whatsoever. He goes over the top, knocks the ball away. Amazing play. But the refs, like, basically, they made up their mind before it even happened, Chris, that they were throwing the yellow hanky, and they did. And they said, oh, there goes Byron Jones. He's near him. Uh, nope, nope, that's a flag. And then you look at it and go, okay, they have to stop him on third down because they stopped him on first down, second down, and then Kyle Van Oy jumps off sides, gives the Las Vegas Raiders first and goal with basically two minutes left. We have no timeouts remaining, or one timeout, I believe it was. It was. The Las Vegas Raiders essentially hand the ball to Josh Jacobs. The Miami Dolphins open up the floodgates and say, go ahead and walk in because we need as much time as we possibly can to come back and see if we can get a touchdown. The Raiders sit down and refuse to get into the end zone. Like you said, Bobby McCain's dragging him, trying to pull him into the end zone so that we can stop the clock and get the ball back. The Las Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders played this correctly. They get the ball all the way down to 19 seconds. They kick the go-ahead field goal, and there's basically no time on the clock and no timeouts for Ryan Fitzpatrick to do his magic. But what happens? The Raiders do the most Raiders thing ever, grab a face mask, and never let go. This was like a hawk, like a talons of a hawk grabbing dead meat off the ground. They were not letting go of that. And the crazy thing about that play, Chris, was not only did he throw and catch that and then get the 15, and we all know that story. If he doesn't get his face mask pulled, I don't know that that pass gets completed because Ryan Fitzpatrick came out after the game and said it didn't matter what was happening on that play. Mac Hollins was getting the ball. It was a pre-designed play call to Mac Hollins, which is a great because Mac Hollins had some bad drops, not only with Tua, but with Fitzpatrick in this game. So going back to him, showing a lot of confidence in him is awesome by the part of the Miami Dolphins. B awesome that Mac Hollins is like, don't throw me the ball. I'm not having a good day. He's like, Nope, give me the ball. I'll be there. So amazing for our He's players. In that <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. He was the only wide receiver left in that game. But on top of that, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw Every ounce of old man strength into that ball. He let go of that thing, which is why it was so violent when he got pulled back like that. He threw that thing. If he doesn't get basically centered because of, you know, his neck getting snapped in half, that ball is probably sailing out of bounds or it's sailing way over the top of Mac Hollins. It's not going where Mac Hollins was. So in order for that ball to even be completed, the face mask had to happen. But at the same time, if it had just been the face mask, it, we wouldn't have been close enough. We'd lose the game because we only get 15 yards and we don't have enough time to probably run another play, get in, you know, get out of bounds and then kick the field goal. Everything that happened needed to happen in order for Miami Dolphins to thread the needle and get to 10 wins. And that's exactly what happened. And I sat there like you, Chris, I was dumbfounded. I was standing up in my living room. I'm pacing back and forth and I'm going, I, I had a hard time processing what I just saw. I mean, I'm a, I'm a professional podcaster, as are you. I get paid to talk for a living on stage and in front of a microphone. And I was sitting there with my jaw open going, I don't know what to say. I have no idea what to say. It blew my mind that everything that what needed to happen, happened. Yeah, it's like uh, they're going to do a 30 for 30 of the season one day, if, if that's the case, especially with COVID, it might get sprinkled in there. But if we go far into the playoffs, dude, this is going to be one of those stories where like you're going to watch it in 10 years. And you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. There's no fucking way any of that happens, let alone all of it in perfect chronological order, like you said, to get to where we needed to be. You even watch the guys on the sideline, and Lynn Bowden is right there next to Hollins. He catches the ball. And I think everyone was just as surprised as we were. Like, if you watch their body language, he catches the ball, and everybody's kind of like, oh, fuck, I didn't think about what we do after if he catches it because no one expected that, and he did. So we're like, 
we, we do all uh, do we strike a oh, shit no timeouts what do we do because no one expected that at all there's no way that works and he gets pulled by his fucking face mask how is that possible sam i have hit a golf ball sideways before and I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? Like, physics are stupid. Like, how does he throw the football? And it get, first of all, how is he so wide open that he can get his fucking head decapitated and the ball's just floating? Holland's like, thank you. Like, that was unbelievable. It only happens if it's magic. I, I hope we have a still shot somewhere of somebody that took a photo, like Sports Illustrated or something's going to come out next week, of, like, Fitz getting yanked and he's, like, clearly chewing gum. Like mid yank as he throws the ball because that's the most it's magic thing ever. And of course he came in in relief. Uh, we have relief pitchers now all of a sudden. And um, he completed that pass when we won the game. Uh, him freaking out on the sideline with, with Gesicki and just the whole thing was unbelievable. It's like it's meant to be. And then this weekend, we'll get into it. I know more a little bit in segment three, but this weekend, then everything fell into place. Like it seems like this is the season to turn things around for Miami and uh, those turn of events are just proof of that. Cause there's no way that ever happens again. That's insane. No, I, I kind of feel like we should be automatically into the playoffs because of that play. Like th- that play should count for like an extra half win that guarantees us into the playoffs. That, that's how big that play was. And you brought it up. So let's just get into it. You talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in as a relief pitcher. Brian Flores used that very language about having a closer, quote unquote. And if they need to go to Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the reliever, very much like how they do it in baseball, he's not afraid to do it. He's seen it a couple of times. It's gone the other way too, where two is coming in relief of Ryan Fitzpatrick earlier in this season against the Jets game one uh, what did you think of the decision of going from Tua Tungavailoa who was not having he was having an efficient game Chris he was completing the majority of his passes he was not throwing interceptions he was protecting the ball but he was not effective he was efficient but not effective in my opinion in this game uh, what did you think of the maneuver in the moment when all of a sudden you realize that Tua Tungavailoa was on the bench. Ryan Fitzpatrick was in the game. What did you think right there? We all know how it ended. So the way it ended, we're like, it was the right move. But what did you think about in the moment when Tua was benched and Ryan came in? I am so torn on this whole thing because as a Dolphins fan, as a fan of the logo, I want to win. I want to see our team in the playoffs. We have guys on the team that deserve it. The whole team deserves it. Flores deserves it. Uh, Steven Ross deserves it for the um, – the money and the time and effort he's put into uh, letting Greer and then guys do his, do their thing. We deserve it for so many things. So winning is um, something that you just, you want to do and you have to do. Um, but you're also torn because yeah, Fitz is going to be the closer. He's going to go in there and he's seen it a time or two. Two is never going to know <laughs> if he doesn't see it a time or two, if we don't let him go out there and lead our team to victory, or face adversity like every time he's just going to be yanked and like we're just okay with it i just that's going to start building in my mind a mentality of oh shit i better not throw an interception i better not throw a deep here because it fits has his helmet on and it's going to be something that might end up being a chuck knob block type mental block and i don't want that to happen I see what you're saying. And I will say in all honesty, I was against it when it happened. I, I knew when it happened in Denver, I was kind of against it, but thought, you know what, at that moment we were trying to win the game. And that's exactly what happened with the Raiders too. And I thought at this point, well, it was a one-time thing. Tua came back. He proved himself after that. I know he was injured the game directly after the Denver game. I think that was the Jets game as well, if I'm not mistaken. But he came back. He's been winning ever since then. He played well against some very tough opponents like the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought, you know what, Tua is now our starter ride or die if he if he has a bad game you have to let him learn by being in that game and fighting through it and coming back and erasing those mental blocks and moving on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing but i will say this we've mentioned this the other way especially with the arizona cardinals game early this season chris that if ryan fitzpatrick was the quarterback that game instead of Tua Tungavailoa, we probably don't win that game because Tua's skill set allowed us to win against the arizona cardinals I don't think we win this game if Tua Tungabailoa 
stays there for the fourth quarter. He was just that ineffective. He was not taking any chances down the field. He didn't have good receivers. He wasn't that gunslinger mentality the way Ryan Fitzpatrick is all the time. You saw the pace change immediately when Ryan Fitzpatrick came in. All of a sudden, Mike Kosicki had two balls down the middle, you know, seam ripping tight end the way Darren Waller was killing us. All of a sudden, Mike Kosicki's killing the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't think that happens if Tua stays in. I just think it was one of those things where he could not get out of neutral in this game, and we did have to make that change so I agree in hindsight in the moment I was against it I was adamantly against it but the selfish me the Sam Marcu the fan the Dolph fan wants the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs this season so I'm for anything that allows for the Miami Dolphins to get that much closer to the playoffs so I agree with the move I don't know how this affects Tua long term quite frankly in the moment I don't care but I don't think Tua is of the mindset that this is going to ruin his his opportunity or his career. He's already been named the starter for week 17. So obviously the team has a lot of faith in him. I mean, the playoffs are still this weekend against the Buffalo Bills, uh, and they named him the starter. So I think I'm okay with it, especially the way the outcome happened. I was a little more um, optimistic about it against the Broncos. Um, and I think I even said at the time, thank God they didn't win that game when they made the switch because then we'd have a quarterback controversy. Here we are a month later in the exact same scenario playoffs on the line, Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in, leads them down to victory. I think I'm okay with it. It's a team game. We had two quarterbacks that can be effective depending on the defense we're playing and the offense we're calling. I've come around and I'm okay with it. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm torn is that it is a team game and you want to do what's best for the team. And Brian Flores obviously did that and he knows his team better than we do. Um, But I also worry about the um, confidence level of Tua, which is very high always. Uh, But I'm worried that that's going to, just chip at it a little bit. And then what about the locker room? I mean, obviously the locker room's fine, but if you're sitting there and you're telling this team, you're like, Hey guys, we're going to start Tua." but obviously when the water gets hot, we're going to throw Fitzpatrick out there. Cause he's our best chance to win. They're going to start saying, if he's our best chance to win, why isn't he playing all three quarters before that fourth quarter? You know what I mean? And that's where I, I'm kind of worried about it. And then again, you want to go back though. Uh, and I want to defend the guy and, and look at this retrospectively. When you watch the game, if Grant catches that ball across the middle <laughs> on that drag route, if he catches that ball clean, there's no one in front of him. And with his speed, we're talking another 70 yards of Tua's ticket and possibly a touchdown. Okay. Same thing with if you want to use that as a, oh, no, what if he got that? Fitzpatrick threw a five yard pass to Miles Gaskin and got credit for a 50 to 60 yard touchdown pass. So it goes both ways to where if you look at the box score and the stat line, it doesn't tell the whole story. Yes. The team looked different. I mean, he threw the ball to Gasecki that one uh, across the middle and Kurt Warner said it best. And everybody's talking about this. Kurt Warner said that Tua needs to learn that the difference between Alabama open and NFL open. And that's where Tua would have probably not have thrown that ball where Fitzpatrick did because um, Gisecki was going on a post type thing. The guy was underneath completely covering him, but all Fitz saw was the back of the guy's head. So he knew he couldn't see him. So let me throw it up to my six, six tight end and he's going to catch it. And he did. So that's where Tua is going to learn that. And then then here's where I flip back and forth is where he's not going to learn it from the sideline in a mask. Like he's got to, be on the field and just take his lumps. And if that means losing a game, that sucks. But like you said, I don't want that to happen as a Dolphins fan. I'm a fan of this logo behind me, not to a tongue of Iloa, which I am, but it's, it's all about the Dolphins, man. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think that's the lesson you learn if the game doesn't have the playoffs in the season on the line. I think at that point you do have to do, you know, essentially triage work as the head coach and say, I need to get to the end of this game with us having more points than the other team. Right now, I believe Ryan Fitzpatrick is the is the guy to do that, not to a tongue of Iloa. I'm making the switch. If this is like a, you know, I don't know, November game and we're seven and six. Maybe you let Tua just take his lumps and say, look, he's going to learn from this. He's going to grow from this. He needs the experience. Uh, we're going to use this fourth quarter to, 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 to basically tell him to open it up. And if you throw an interception, then you throw an interception or whatever the case may be. But not right now. Not, you know, week 16. Not with the season on the line. Not when you're this close. Because the Raiders didn't play great. I mean, Darren Waller played out of his head like he always does. Uh, but they didn't have a great game plan. I mean, they didn't really effectively use Josh Jacobs the way they should have. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, like, came out from the dead all of a sudden over the last couple of weeks. I forgot about him when we were talking about the Raiders last week, he's getting himself a lot of money, but they didn't play great. They're not a great team. They're a solid team. You know, John Gruden still knows how to coach, but this is the type of game where if it happens in October, or November, yeah, I think you let Tua take it, you know, take his lumps and, and, you, and you go from there, but this is late December and we're have our season on the line. You have to make the switch. And you talked about Jakeem Grant. I think everybody is now on board with me 
when it comes to where Jakeem Grant is in the pecking order for Miami Dolphins fans. I don't think he's very high on anybody's list, including the Miami Dolphins. My prediction, he is not here next year. I don't care whose nephew he is, Devontae Parker. I think you're going to find yourself a new nephew. Um, on top of that, it wasn't just Jakeem Grant. Mac Hollins dropped a ball. Yes, it was a little underthrown, but he should have gotten his hands underneath it. He should have copped that ball. And I'm not talking about the one Fitzpatrick threw. I'm talking about, I believe it was third and eight. Yes, we're second and eight, and we're in the middle of the field. It was right after, uh, right after we, I think we we switched them on downs. Right, they went for it on fourth down. We stopped them. We get the ball back. Mac Hollins had a clear first down. That drive extends. Who knows what happens after that? I mean, another sidebar of this whole conversation is the last two weeks, the Miami Dolphins have figured out how to run the damn ball. They did it with Suvan Ahmed two weeks ago. They did it with Miles Gaskin this last week. You get that first down, all of a sudden you're not only in field goal range, but you now have a weapon in Miles Gaskin that they have to respect, which allows you to have more options like uh, play action pass. And if you look at the Las Vegas Raiders, they don't do well against the play action pass. They were biting on every first move the Miami Dolphins had. We just were ineffective in getting the ball down the field. And it doesn't help when your wide receivers like Jakeem Grant can't catch the ball clean or Mac Hollins can't catch the ball at all. Those things work against Tua Tungavailoa. They absolutely do. I mean, Mac Hollins had a dropped touchdown on a slant route with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and nobody has said a word about Ryan Fitzpatrick's inability to get into the end zone on that drive. Nobody said anything really about Mac Hollins at all. Like they get a pass. It all falls on Tua. And I'm starting to see this happen a lot to the rookie. And I don't think it's fair. I think what is fair is that he was effect. He was efficient, but not effective. But right, he Patrick. would have been effective if those guys make those catches. So that's, and that's those things he came in with these expectations. And we got to remember guys and fans listening out there. He had zero preseason. He had uh, a, a crazy training camp. And then all of a sudden he's thrusted in there in the middle of the year with guys. He doesn't have a ton of chemistry with injuries everywhere. Preston Williams is out. Now Parker's out and he's playing with these guys, uh, Hollins and, and, and Isaiah Ford who left our team and came back. So it's like, what are we expecting really from this guy? So that whole Kurt Warner, Alabama open NFL open, like he's literally learning on the fly here he didn't have any training camp or any practice to do that um and we i I think we need to really use caution here because it's picking up a lot of steam of this talk and it's just getting kind of ridiculous he's a first fifth overall pick less than a year ago coming off of a major hip surgery uh an injury that he didn't even have a year rehab from before playing with no training camp and no preseason like calm the fuck down Oh, it's picking up steam everywhere, Chris. If you go on ESPN.com right now, you'll see the top story. The headline story has to do with the backup quarterback, and it's a picture of Tua Tungabailoa and Ryan Fitzpatrick. It is everywhere, and part of it is how Brian Flores is using Ryan Fitzpatrick as the backup quarterback. Here's something I'm going to mention. We're going to get into this on another episode of Perfect Bill. The way Brian Flores is coaching this team is not only helping the Miami Dolphins this season and obviously long-term, it's going to change how coaches coach their team in the future. We're not going to get into that on this episode because we have so much other things to get into, but it's something to keep in mind. When you're thinking about him as coach of the year and you think about him as one of those transformational coaches that's going to be here a long time, fingers crossed, the things that he's doing, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of that on another episode, are already starting to be picked up by other teams. Look, we're not the only team out there that's looking for a playoff spot that's changing quarterbacks. Look at the Chicago Bears. Look at what the New Orleans Saints did. They went from Drew Brees, who got hurt. Did they go to their backup? No, they went to Taysom Hill, who played wide receiver in college. Where have we heard that before? Uh, because he gave them a better chance of not losing games than Jameis Winston gave them a chance of winning games. Coaches are making these types of decisions mainly because they see that it works and they're, and they're trusting their gut versus following the depth chart, quote unquote, and seeing what needs to happen or what the traditional playbook for the, for the NFL you know, as a head coach. It's, a lot, is of, it's, it's a lot of what I talked about last week with Colt McCoy. Yep. You know, we were talking about those. They just like, well, we got just their backups because they're, they've been backups. No, take a risk, do something different. If like somebody got hurt, like if, if Fitzpatrick got hurt instead of like going and signing Matt Castle back or, or Matt Castle, fuck it. Put Lynn Bowden up. Like, try him. Like, see how he does. Do something different. Use your instincts. Stop giving the defense exactly what the, to what they expect. Stop playing by this script that has been the NFL for 40 years and, and flip it on its head. Do something different. And I, and I love that Flores is really progressively innovative on that, and he obviously has so much control of the uh, locker room. It's not affecting it because guys are just celebrating for all of them. And then this is something else we'll get into too. Uh, a lot of people are talking about like the Tua and his reaction on the sideline and not kicking his helmet and screaming at Matt Collins. 
guys, he's a rookie from Hawaii that plays ukulele. Like, calm down. He's not going to start like uppercutting, um, you know, Austin Jackson because he misses a block his first year. Like, let's calm down. I don't see the fire out of him. He should be upset. He's benched. He wants to win, you know, and that's where if he wants to win, he wants uh, the best for the team, and he knew maybe he wasn't having a great day. Uh, he's not going to react to it, and, and why would he? That's, that's ridiculous. He's a little more Lilo and a little less Stitch, but that's a good thing for the Miami Dolphins when you're talking about the flying Hawaiian who's uh, going to be the long-term answer at quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he might even be the short-term answer this weekend against the Buffalo Bills, but we've talked a lot about too. We've talked a lot about Ryan Fitzpatrick, but we're not the only ones talking about it, Chris. We're going to go take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to do the segment that everybody loves. Of course, it's taking over the internet we have all of the citizens of perfectville out there helping us just curating content now and of course i'm talking about elite tweet or delete tweet we'll be back we'll make sure that everyone knows who's stupid and who's smart right after these words this episode of Welcome to Perfectville is brought to you in part by Patch Vibes. That's right, Patch Vibes. Every citizen of Perfectville needs to go get themselves a couple of pieces of merchandise from PatchVibes.com. You can get the GTA-inspired t-shirt. You can get yourself the 347 Shula patch that you're seeing being rocked on all the jerseys this season. And here's the best part about it. Not only can you get all of that stuff, but with any purchase from PatchVibes.com, if you type in promo code FREEPATCHPOD, they're doing a little something extra for all the citizens of Perfect Build because once you type in free patch pod in the promo code on patchvibes.com, not only are you going to get the stuff that you buy, but you're also going to get a free silver season patch. That's right. You've seen it on Twitter. You've seen it on social media. It is sweet, man. Get this patch for free with any purchase on patchvibes.com when you type in free patch pod into the promo box and get yourself suited up and booted up and ready for the playoffs with your Miami Dolphins. Thank you, Patch Vibes. And we're back, and it is time for everybody's favorite segment here in WTP. That's short from Welcome to Perfectville. And, of course, we're talking about elite tweet or delete tweet. That's right. Check out the graphic on the screen right now. Shout out to our man, Joe Troya, uh, the graphic artist who lives in the center of Perfect Bill. He does all of our stuff for us. So shout out to him. He made my crappy elite tweet, delete tweet graphic from two weeks ago look way better with what you just saw on the screen here, Chris. Are you ready for a little bit of elite tweet, delete tweet action here, Chris? I look forward to it all week more than Christmas. Okay. Well, good. Good. And Christmas is one of your favorite holidays. And speaking of Christmas, we may have something from you on elite tweet or delete tweet from Christmas here in just a little bit. But first, let's talk about Alejandro, Chris, at Miami Alejandro. You actually tagged this one for me as well as TJ, aka at Smokestacks, who says, Alejandro says, you benched your rookie QB and you still lost and missed the playoffs. Keep it up at Miami Dolphins. Obviously, this was sent prior to uh, the masked slinger doing his thing there. But what do you think for Alejandro? Is that an elite tweet or a delete tweet, Chris? I think he probably already deleted it. But in this case, it's absolutely elite for the, for the very reason that you look like such an asshole. There is the freezing cold takes Twitter. I love it. They like, uh, you know, people call out uh, the Astros before they won the World Series or something, and then they retweet it. Oh, man, that is beautiful. When you predict the game and it just is a miracle win and against your favorite you're not allowed to celebrate you're not allowed you can't you just turn it off and go to bed so that's elite and then the fact that it's elite that he has to deal with that and hear about this probably forever <laughs> well I, i'm gonna say delete tweet as well but you know what alejandro wasn't alone this one comes from at perfectville pod chris and that is me that is me making this tweet i said something very similar to the effect of Dolphins folding under the bright lights of a big game. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Now, that is a freezing cold take, especially how this all came uh, came about after this take. And I wasn't, uh, I'm not just calling myself out because I had a lot of people, a lot of citizens on Perfectville retweeting that and making fun of me and saying, is this an elite tweet or delete tweet? So, Chris, I will leave it up to you. Is this an elite tweet or a delete tweet from yours truly? Clearly, it's a delete tweet, like calling it like... <laughs> You're like, oh, same shit as always. And then we come back and have the most miraculous comeback victory since the Miami Miracle. I, I actually tweeted this uh, or I put it in our, uh, our, our fantasy league, uh, which, hey, there you go. Who's counting? We mentioned the fantasy league. Uh, so mad we're not. Um, it, it's uh, this team loves miracles. Like what is with us as a team in the last like, what, five years had more 
uh, crazy shit endings than than the Miami Dolphins. I mean, you're talking about the Bills when we run on the field and kick like a 58 yarder with no time left. Uh, the Miami Miracle that's turned into T-shirts. I actually got a picture of it. I tweeted it out for Christmas. Shout out to my wife Charlotte with an awesome gift. And then this here, what are we calling it? The Ocean's third, you know, 14 or whatever. It's crazy. The heist of the century coming into Las Vegas and, and robbing the place with a torn sideways face mask, throwing it deep. So absolutely, Sam, delete the shit out of that. Yeah, that one needs to go bye-bye because Sam made a boo-boo on that one. That is for 100% sure. But uh, we're not done yet. We've got some more Elite and Delete here. This comes from Mike Sugno or Cugno. Uh, he's actually verified. He's got the uh, the old Twitter blue check mark there, Chris, at Mike Cugno CBS4. He says, Ryan Fitzpatrick said he ran into the tunnel to take a pee. Then Flores told him to get ready to go into the game. Now, if we didn't already love Ryan Fitzpatrick for all the magic he's been giving us in the NFL, and especially for the Miami Dolphins over the last couple of years, the fact that he was taking a piss while he's being also told, suit up, you're going in. And then he goes and pulls off the miracle that he pulled off. I think I already know the answer to this, Chris, but is this an elite tweet or delete tweet? Oh, it's elite. He probably threw that ball to Holland with a pistol on his hands. He didn't wash. There's no way he washed his hands. If they did a DNA swab of the football in Holland's gloves, there's there's his urine on it. I guarantee it. Uh, Look, the the tweet is what it is. He's just reporting out. So I'm going to call it elite because of the content of the tweet, meaning, you know, me just having uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick just chewing gum, holding his dick. I don't even think he went to the bathroom. Like he didn't go to the restroom. He walked into the tunnel and was like, fuck it. I'm going to take a piss right here. Why not? It's Vegas. Chomp, chomp, chomp. And then Flo's like, hey, man, I need you in the game. He's like, all right, whatever. Shake, shake, shake. Pulls it up, walks in, and then just goes and does his shit. That's just amazing to me. The man is just a legend beyond legend, uh, which actually is why I want to get to this next one. This actually comes from Andrew abramson chris he uh another verified we get a lot of verified guys on here uh because they have a lot of freezing cold and you know basically isn't uh, he uh isn't he he's a reporter or used to be uh he is uh and actually at abramson fl is his twitter handle and it's actually a picture of ryan fitzpatrick getting his face ripped off but he says grit period the play that will define ryan fitzpatrick's career now, that's a pretty bold statement for considering this guy has been in the league and played, you know, for eight different teams. Uh, he's been around a long time. But I think, is this an elite tweet or a delete tweet, Chris? I have my opinion. I want to hear from you. So, actually, normally I would kind of think this is kind of odd, but I'm a former athlete myself, and I'm looking around my man cave right now, and I'm looking at a picture of me making a tackle that was on the front page of the Sun Sentinel sports section in high school. Look at a jersey hung up. Um athletes really like their accolades and that is a weird and odd and unique photo and play in his history i what i'm getting at is i guarantee you there is a blown up photo of that in his house by the end of the year and we're like oh two days away (laughs) it's probably already there um ryan fitzpatrick's gonna have a huge that that thing's gonna be on a mantle somewhere with his like collection of like Signed jerseys from former players, maybe his T-shirt he wore after the Jacksonville game. Um, that photo is going to be there because it's not anything crazy we did in the Super Bowl or anything, but that is all anyone's talking about right now. It's on every highlight. It is uh, posted on every website, on Twitter, everywhere. And it is just remarkable. He completed that pass in that situation while that was happening to his face. So, yeah, it's an iconic shot for him. So, uh, elite tweet. I think he will be remembered. You talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're going to talk about him walking out in Tampa with the gum chewing and the open shirt chest hair and 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 the sorry, guys, I'm taken from the Jacksonville game. Uh, and then this photo. Like, so <laughs> that's like two out of the last 17 stops for his career. I don't remember much else. And then the beard. I mean, yeah, the it, it, grit is what he's known for. I, I honestly think this will, I don't know, define his career, but he's going to be, it's going to be talked about anytime he gets brought up. Yeah, I think it will. I think this will be a defining throw. If you can pick one moment from Ryan Fitzpatrick's career, it's probably going to be this. I mean, other than, you know, walking up to the podium, looking the way he did when he was playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in terms of on the field play, I can't think of another more iconic part of of like it's like Jay Fiedler when he runs it in for the touchdown against the Raiders right after 9-11 and it ends up on Sports Illustrated that's the play that you're going to remember if you're you know talking about Jay Fiedler 
this is that play for Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, getting his head ripped off primetime national TV completes the pass after coming off the bench, which by the way, is a whole other aspect of just being a backup quarterback, knowing you could come in at any given time, but also knowing that there's probably not going to be that time for you to come in. I mean, there's just so many different things. I, I think grit, I, I, I think it's an elite tweet. I think uh, Andrew nailed it. I think this will be the play that defines who Ryan Fitzpatrick is and was as a player. Now, I only got a couple more here, Chris, because we do have to talk about this Buffalo Bills game, but this one comes from old friend, Mr. Mike Florio, pro football talk at pro football talk. This happened right after the game. And he says, if I'm a Dolphins fan, my happiness is tempered by a nagging concern that the team should have drafted Justin Herbert. Now, here we go again, Tua versus Herbert, elite tweet or delete tweet for pro football talk. Delete tweet. Like, l- listen, th- we talked about this ad nauseum already. Justin Herbert's the type of guy that can go out there with a big arm and, and athletic ability and be able to sling it around the uh, around the place. Me and my dad actually got into this on Saturday because he's been kind of pretty negative against two, and it's really starting to fucking piss me off because he doesn't give him a chance, but he like suckles on the dick that Ryan Tannehill is. He still like literally like follows his stats in Tennessee. Like, who gives a shit, dude? Just calm down. Uh, we broke up. Get the net. Like, calm down. So we got into this because it's one of those things where he's throwing it to fucking Keenan Allen, Mike Williams and Eckler with Melvin Gordon backing him up. Who's pretty fucking good. Meanwhile, he's hand- two is handing off to Ahmed miles Gaskins throwing to Mac Hollins and fucking Darren Smythe is getting touchdowns and Shaheen. Like, like this is who we're throwing to Isaiah Ford was cut by one of the worst by, by the one of the worst teams in the AFC East who just got absolutely fucking railroaded by the bills on national TV last night because he wasn't good enough when they have zero playmakers at receiver and he's starting for us. We have a rookie former college quarterback, two of them starting for us. That's who he's throwing to. Guys like Herbert are going to look good in the beginning and look good their first few uh, years because they're playing unsustainable football. They're going out, they're just running around, they're chucking it around. But here's the thing. He's losing. He's not winning. Like their defense isn't good, uh, which isn't his fault, but the wins matter, man. And honestly, Tua's numbers, if you look at them, um, you know, 10 touchdowns passing, three rushing. Uh, somebody did a thing where if you stretch that out, what he's averaging to a 16-game season, it was something like 3,900 yards, uh, 29 touchdowns, like eight picks, and like a QB rating of 93. Who wouldn't fucking take that from a rookie that didn't even have a preseason? So this whole thing, especially pro football talk, that he's trying to get clicks. That's all he does. And there shouldn't be a battle between these guys. Uh, we should both, we should see that they're all doing well, but, um, give me a fucking break. I'm going to throw the flag right here. Cause I just saw that Byron Jones tweeted something that's clearly pass interference. So, uh, 15 yards or spot foul on Byron Jones. Uh, I'm also going to call a delete tweet on that. I mean, look, Justin Herbert has more zits on his nose than he has wins in his pocket. I mean, he's just not winning the, the, the chargers have more offensive weapons. Like you just talked about, Chris, they have guys on defense. Typically, uh, they should be much better than they are. And they're not winning there. There's something there that's missing. And I don't know exactly what it is, but one of those things is that they aren't winning. They're not playing winning football. And by the way, the Miami Dolphins beat the fucking Justin Herbert Chargers earlier this season. So I don't understand what this is. No, they shouldn't have drafted Herbert. They should have drafted Tua. Tua is a rookie. As you said, if you extrapolate his stats out over an entire season, they're not bad at all. He's just not getting the glory stats because, quite frankly, he doesn't have to throw the ball 45 fucking yeah, We're not times. playing from behind, and Herbert's not coming off a fucking devastating hip injury. Yeah, like everybody forgets about that. That was a year ago, man. Like, come on, like let's fucking be patient. We're, we're, we're talking playoffs while also debating our fucking rookie quarterback. This is, we're so spoiled rotten. You pieces of shit are so spoiled rotten. Just fucking enjoy this and stop being dicks. That's how, it. How quickly we forget Chris, because it's, it has not been that long ago, including last season, we were five and 11 and that's where the Miami dolphins have been for quite a while. Now we're 10 and five and we're like, well, this isn't good enough. We need to be better than this. It's just like, no, we will be better than this. Let's just get, you know, past the season where we have 85 rookies starting on the offensive line, quarterback, wide receiver, running back. And let's just see how they gel beyond this. Uh, okay. So I said there was two, there's going to be two left. I'm making an, I'm calling an audible here, Chris, because you mentioned the man's name. You brought the ghost of Ryan Tannehill up through uh, the graveyard here in the town of Perfectville. So this is coming from Anthony at Finn's tweets. And he says, whispers, 
we'd win the Super Bowl if we had Tannehill this year. Mutes conversation. Well, there you go. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, you mentioned your dad's following his stats. So is Anthony at Finn's tweets. He says we would win the Super Bowl if Tannehill was our quarterback this season. Elite tweet or delete tweet. Tennessee isn't winning the Super Bowl, Ryan Tannehill, and they have Derek fucking Henry. We have Savan Ahmed. Are you kidding me, dude? Just whisper to yourself that you're a, a dick and just get out of here. Go root for Tennessee. That's fucking, that's absolutely ridiculous. Delete it. I think you need to delete the tweet. Here's, here's the real tweet. I'm going to fix the tweet. He's going to, I'm going to let him keep the tweet, Chris, but I'm going to fix the tweet. Instead of Ryan Tannehill, let's replace Ryan Tannehill with Derek Henry. And now we've got something that we can debate whether the Miami Dolphins would be Super Bowl contenders or not, because Derek Henry, in case you haven't figured it out, is why the Titans keep winning games. It's not Ryan Tannehill. It's Derek fucking Henry. Delete tweet. I agree. Yeah, look what just happened to the Tennessee Titans against the Green Bay Packers when they actually stopped Derrick Henry from getting 100 yards. You got shit housed. They sucked. Wow. It's almost like Ryan Tannehill's not carrying the team. <laughs> right there, Chris. Last one for Elite Tweet or Delete Tweet on this very, very special last episode of Perfect Bill of 2020. Don't get excited. It's just the last one of the year citizens uh and this actually comes from at chris c five six one and that happens to be you chris this is oh you made your own segment here we both got on a leader uh, delete this is great yeah so i got deleted like i just got downloaded like no other let's see how you do because uh you actually tweeted my my other account at tiger comedy and you said just joined the hashtag clean bum community hashtag bidet you ain't the only one fancy hashtag clean butts and perfect bill. And then there's a picture of you holding your Lux bidet that you got on Christmas morning. Uh, you're also wearing the very same gator mask that you're wearing now, as well as the elf hat from letters to Santa Claus last week. And uh, I have to say, as everyone is now seeing it here on the screen, I'm going to go first. This is by far an elite tweet of all the elite tweets. I congratulate you on such a wise decision to join the bidet club here, because uh, as it says here, it's fantastic. So uh, elite tweet or delete tweet your own tweet there, Chris. Sam, the best way I can describe it is <laughs> it's like Poseidon is tonguing my asshole. <laughs> and <laughs> it's absolutely an elite tweet. I can't believe we had this conversation on air. My stepdaughter actually got that for me. And uh, I uh, hate wiping at work. <laughs> it sucks now. Uh, thing is, amazing that is the worst part about having a bidet in your home is anytime you go anywhere else whether you're at work or you're at a home depot or you go to a restaurant if you're allowed to eat at restaurants and you have to do something where uh you know poop comes out of your butt and they don't have a bidet you're just sitting there like why do i live in an impoverished nation why am i a member of this third world nation where i have to scrape and scoop shit out of my butthole with a weird piece of paper uh, no the bidet is the way to go i am part i am the leader of the bidet brigade here and i've got my uh my lieutenant my uh, my wingman mr christopher colin he, this is why he's the doctor ladies and gentlemen he's prescribing you know water vaccinations of your butthole after you poop <laughs> if you got poop on your arm would you wipe it off with a paper towel and get on with your day absolutely not you'd put some water on it maybe a little soap and i'm telling you <laughs> it's great <laughs> That's a really good point, by the way. If there's like a bird shit on you, yeah, you'd right. wipe it off, but you'd feel much better if you had soap and water to 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 rinse yeah. it off, and then you just dab just it had, dry. You know, somebody just shit on your elbow, and you just went, "Oh, all right, go about my day." Like my with my arms smelling like shit forever. Like no way, I'm fucking clean. Uh, well, that's it. I don't think we top anything else with any other tweets other than that one right there about poop and water. So there you go. Another fantastic episode of Elite Tweet or Delete Tweet. Speaking of which, I have to go wash out my bum, and then we'll come back and we'll talk all about Week 17, Buffalo, Miami, playoffs on the line. Poop. You see, when you're a hairy mofo like me, you require special tools to meet your needs. And when I'm talking needs, I'm talking help, which extends to below the belt. And with the Manscaped Perfect Package, making between the knees breezy comes easy. With the Lawnmower 3.0's waterproof design, featuring advanced skin-safe technology and soft ceramic blades, you'll turn that jungle into a perfectly manscaped yard. 
toss in the ball deodorant and toner, and you'll be feeling like Peter North down under in no time. Go to manscaped.com and use our promo code FINSUP, F-I-N-S-U-P, and help us help you save balls today. Get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boosts, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with Turkey Day right around the corner, there really is no better time to feast on some NFL action. Whether you're a first-time customer or you've been playing with MyBookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use the promo code FINSUP to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to a thousand bucks. You put in 200, they'll match you another 100 in your account. If you're already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Welcome back. You're back. We're back. I'm back. Chris is back. The town of Perfectville is open for segment three. We're talking, of course, about the Miami Dolphins, 10 and five on the road, going to the AFC East champions, weird to say, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and the 12 and three currently Buffalo Bills. Look, Chris, the Miami Dolphins are one win away from making it officially into the playoffs. The Buffalo Bills are already in right now. As it stands, they are the number two seed. They can lock that up with a victory against the Miami Dolphins. The Steelers are playing the Cleveland Browns. They're starting Mason Rudolph. The Cleveland Browns are one of the teams that needs to lose in order for the Miami Dolphins to get in should they not beat the Buffalo Bills. You also have the Baltimore Ravens playing a junior varsity squad out of Maryland, I think, as their opponent week 17. The Tennessee Titans are playing a Deshaun Watson-less Houston Texans team, which we're going to talk about why that's important two different ways uh, as well. And then, of course, you have the Indianapolis Colts playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, if I'm not mistaken. All those teams that I mentioned are all 10 and 5 with the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins just need one of them, one of them to lose to guarantee that they get into the playoffs or they could do it the other way, which is to beat the fucking Buffalo Bills for the first time in Coach Flores' career as a Miami Dolphins head coach, and everything else takes care of itself. How do you see this one playing out here, Chris? We've got a lot to talk about come Week 17. Yeah, Buffalo scares me after that game last night. They came in for blood on New England, and I don't know if that was just a New England thing, like guess who's the big dog now, bitch, type game, or is that to a um, whole message to AFC East, and that's going to continue into Week 17. Like I can honestly see the Steelers already came out and said they're benching Ben and a couple of other guys. Like they, they they don't care. There's no bye week for Week Two. I'm um, sure for the two seed, so uh, they're just going to rest their guys. They didn't really have a bye week, so why not? Um, <clears throat> Buffalo has yet to announce such a thing, which is smart on their part i don't know why the steelers are just like oh by the way we're playing with nobody uh have fun game planning baker mayfield and there's like shit okay uh they they win in their end so that's great uh which sucks for us because that's one of those backdoor ways in if we aren't able to pull it off against uh, buffalo here's the thing that worries me buffalo got us when we weren't playing good and they barely beat us the problem is they're playing unbelievable right now. If you take away that uh, Kyler Murray, Hail Mary, the the Kyler Mary or whatever they're calling it. The um, Hail Murray, I believe. Hail Murray, thank yeah. you. I have, what the hell did I say? Jesus. But yeah, if, if you take that away and you add that a win, they've won nine straight, Sam. Nine straight fucking games they've won. Absolutely on a tear. Um, you know, beating New England last night like a just redheaded stepchild. Really bad. And um it, it, it worries me. Here's here's why. Because we are playing okay. We're playing good. They are playing hot. They are on a trajectory like crazy. Perfect for them, the way they're playing going into the playoffs. So 
if they play their backup backup quarterback, maybe don't let Diggs play a lot. We we should win this game. But if they come out and they're like, "Fuck this, we're not letting you know Miami go to the playoffs. Let's beat the shit out of them." And they come out there motivated. That is a worry for me because um, we have to pretty much win. I hate counting on anybody else. I want to win, uh, as does everybody else. And the way they're playing right now, man, they're hard to stop. Now we didn't have Jones the majority of the game that that game byron jones um but you know is he what well, we're gonna put him on digs and then cole beasley will tear us apart i don't know but it, it's it's gonna be a tough game sam and we're gonna have to earn it unlike those other teams are playing fucking jv teams of yeah course. i mean we, we certainly have the hardest game on the schedule of all those teams that have 10 wins right now i mean the buffalo bills are a legit you know playoff team nobody else other than the pittsburgh steelers who are resting their starters are anywhere near the playoffs for any of those other you know bubble teams that are there with the Miami Dolphins. You've mentioned a couple things, Chris, that I think are pertinent. Byron Jones was basically gone from early, early on uh, in that Buffalo game, and that hurt us a lot. That really, really, you saw the difference in the defense when Byron Jones came back and you paired him with Xavier Howard. Uh, the fact that we have Byron Jones, even though he looked really, really bad against Darren Waller, Darren Waller's not on the Buffalo Bills. They don't have the type of tight ends that the Las Vegas Raiders do. So having Byron Jones back there, having, I'm sorry, that was Eric Rowe. That was even Byron Jones. Byron Jones got, got caught up with uh, Nelson Aguilar. Out, out there i understand citizens shut the fuck up all right um <laughs> you having by good job you worked through it yeah yeah i see I'm, I'm not i'm not too stupid uh byron jones xavian howard eric rowe not having to defend darren waller that means good things yes they have stefan Diggs, who might be the best wide receiver in the game uh, sorry Devonte adams but it's pretty damn close with stefan Diggs. uh cole beasley is highly highly underrated i have him on my fantasy teams in like four different leagues chris and this guy all he does is catch things underneath and get like 10 15 chunk yards all of a sudden he has six touchdowns he's got a thousand yards receiving he did leave the game against new england late in that fourth quarter uh cost me a fucking championship by two points to one of my leagues. Thanks, Cole Beasley. Um, and he looked a little shaken up. So I'm wondering if that will give the Buffalo Bills some pause as to how to play or how long to play their starters against the Miami Dolphins. It really doesn't matter to them other than the fact that the Dolphins are an AFC East opponent. There's nothing that's really going to happen like here's here's what Buffalo can do. They can p- treat this a little bit like game three of the preseason. Game plan for the Miami Dolphins because they may play the Dolphins in the playoffs. Play your starters about halfway through and then take them out and let them sit and realize that, you know what? The Pittsburgh Steelers are already conceding the number two overall playoff seed. Uh, If you lose, it doesn't really matter because the Browns are probably going to beat the Steelers and you rest your starters. You get them away from injury. You give them a little mini bye week because you're not going to get one for being the number two seed this season for the NFL And then you just kind of say, okay, what happens, happens. If our backups beat the Miami Dolphins, great. If they don't, then you know what? Maybe we see them in the playoffs and we can actually kind of just pull back a little bit and just game plan for them. But at the same time, not show them everything up our sleeves in case they come back the very next week, because that's a possibility the Miami Dolphins could play the Buffalo Bills, you know, in in the first round of the playoffs. And then you have your full squad ready to go. I I could see that happening. Uh, I could see them just going full bore saying, fuck it. We're making a statement. The AFC East is ours now. We're going to stomp their hopes out and and just hope that all the other teams prevent the Miami Dolphins from making the playoffs. The fan base for the Buffalo Bills would absolutely love that. But I don't know that that's the smart thing for the Buffalo Bills to do. I think they need to see what their team's going to look like later on this week. If everybody's healthy, you suit them up, you get them out there. And if there's any, if there's if there's any tweak, if somebody stubs their toe, you pull your starters, especially Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Cole Beasley. Those three right there, you got to take them out and just say, you know what, we're going with our backups. Good luck against the Miami Dolphins. I think that's what I would do if I were the Buffalo Bills. Now, if I'm the Miami Dolphins, I'm getting everybody suited up. I was so happy, as weird as it sounds, to see Devontae Parker not play against the Las Vegas Raiders. I think if it was an actual playoff game, he would have suited up. Guess what? This week is an actual playoff game. So I think Devontae Parker suits up. There's an outside shot that Preston Williams could be activated and he could suit up. How much better is Tua Tungavailoa going to look when he's got Devontae Parker and Preston Williams as opposed to Jakeem Grant and like, you know, my dog as the second wide receiver out there. I mean, too, Sam's dog. (laughs) Exactly. So if you're the Miami Dolphins, all hands on deck. If you need to pull and go to Ryan Fitzpatrick, you pull and go to Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you need to, you know, have a 13 lob Lynn Bowden throw to Kirk Merritt touchdown pass, you pull out all the tricks. Here's the other thing. If I'm the Miami Dolphins, Chris, I fucking cheat. 
I'm cheating. I'm holding, I'm eye gouging, I'm giving front wedgies. I'm doing everything I can possibly do because here's one thing that people haven't realized. The NFL this season has 17 officiating crews. Just about every single week, they've had a couple of crews that they've had to pull off due to COVID. So they've had people running double duty, running Thursday night to Sunday night, running Saturday to Monday, doing two games every week. They can't do that this week because all the games are on Sunday, which means if they have any issues with referees being out for COVID, they got to pull people up from their training program. They have to have people who have never been an official in an NFL game before all of a sudden start being an official, which means the Miami Dolphins need to go full heel wrestling heel. Ric Flair, I'm talking Randy Macho Man King. I mean, you have to go out there and hit people with a fucking chair and hope that these new refs don't know what you're looking for. I think the Miami Dolphins pull out all the stops. You see trick plays. You see them running the ball. You see them throwing the ball. You see them coming off the top rope with elbows to the throat of any Buffalo Bills fan, player, cheerleader. I don't give a shit. They're going to dig up Marv. Marv Levy's skull and walk around with it to scare the shit out of Buffalo Bills players. I don't care what they do by hook or by crook. You get yourselves into the playoffs. You do not rely on the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, the Tennessee Titans, or the Indianapolis Colts to lose their games. Cause we don't know that they're going to do that. And instead you win this game by hook or by crook. It doesn't matter how take advantage of this system here and cheat because the refs, we saw it against the Raiders. They'll cheat against the Miami Dolphins. So we need to cheat against them and the Buffalo Bills win this game. <laughs> I just picture Ogba getting blocked into the, the pocket and then just low-blowing Josh Allen. Pull out those <laughs> tape knuckles. And, yeah, just fucking hit somebody. <laughs> you, do, you do what you got to do, Ogba. I think Agba barely grazed Jared Allen. Why is he unconscious on the ground? Wait, we have different footage, and it's Agba th- throwing brass knuckles off the sideline real quick because he knocked him out. Like who's running off? Of it's almost like my uh, ridiculous prediction. Who's coming out of the crowd that looks like a fan? Oh, oh God! Is that Shaq Lawson? He's actually healthy, and he's like breathing COVID on the people. Like <laughs> I love he's breathing the- COVID on it. Just says COVID as it comes out of his mouth, like that. You know that Buffalo steam because it's going to be thirty degrees, and he just like oh, when Ricky Williams COVID. did the whole yeah, but it's COVID. <laughs> Yeah, Sam, you do what you got to do here. Um, Parker's got to play. Gusecki, I mean, Gusecki's got to look at these guys in the locker room and be like, hey, um, my fucking dangly arm here, will you guys get the fuck out there and play? Because I just did. Because I'm willing my team to victory and I need your help. So if Preston Williams gets out there, Parker gets out there, uh, especially with Grant gone. I mean, hopefully we're using Perry um, and, and Bowden a little bit more, of course. Um, this is where guys, and I hate to say it, maybe I don't hate to say it, but it's actually, we're at the right prime where guys are coming back just in time where you get Gaskins back last week, Ahmed's kind of warmed up already. So we've got like that one, two punch. If Parker can get back in the fold here, that helps us and Tua and, and Chan Gailey call a better game, more efficient game. We can go out there and attack that defense. Here's one guy that killed us last time we played the Bills other than Stephon Diggs, and that's John Brown, and he's mm. on the IR. So he's on the IR. Beasley's already limping. If I'm McDermott, I'm sitting there going, there's no fucking way I'm going to get these guys hurt to, for a difference of a possible – the only thing they gain from beating us, okay, is the two seed. And that's if Steelers even win, which they might not. Uh, why would you risk any injury to one of your guys before a big playoff run? The only thing they'd gain from that is if the rare possibility Buffalo plays Pittsburgh, it would be in the Meadowlands or in, in Buffalo. That's it. So that's the only, only benefit of winning this game other than, you know, shaming the Miami Dolphins or whatever. But if you lose this game and say Pittsburgh wins, Oh no, you got to go to Pittsburgh. If Pittsburgh wins, you're both going to Kansas city if Kansas city wins. So I, I would I agree with you. I would I'd sit my guys, maybe play them a half, but with our defense and our pass rush, why would you even risk it? I wouldn't risk it at all. Um, you know, Josh Allen has has destroyed the Miami Dolphins in like three games. I think he's got like nine touchdowns and he's averaging like 375 yards per game in the, through the air, let alone what he's doing on the ground. And just a point of clarification, Chris, you said John Brown is on IR. He was actually activated uh, from injured reserve only to be put on the COVID list. So he's feeling better, but now he's diseased. So I don't think he's playing either way. But to your point, uh, Beasley's banged up. John Brown's not feeling 100%. Why risk it with Josh? If they lose Stephon Diggs or Josh Allen for any reason, done. their season is done. It doesn't done. matter if they're the two seed, the seven seed, or you know Johnny Appleseed. They're fucking done if they don't have Josh Allen or goddamn uh, Stephon Diggs. Those two are what make the Buffalo Bills stampede right now. And if they don't have either one of them, you know, that's it. So I, I think 
the Miami Dolphins are actually going to come out of this victorious. I think we're going to get to 11 and five, which does a lot of things. A, it puts us in the playoffs. B, it makes coach flow after two seasons here in Miami, a 500 coach, which is remarkable considering where we were at the beginning of last season with the teardown and now the starting of the rebuild. Um, and oh, by the way, Chris, other key, other teams that we want to root for, uh, we're rooting against the Indianapolis Colts, right? We're rooting against the Cleveland Browns, rooting against the Baltimore Ravens, but I am rooting for the Tennessee Titans. Why, I'm rooting Sam? for the Tennessee Titans, and I'm glad you asked why, Chris, because they're playing the Houston Texans. And the Houston Texans stupidly, foolishly, remarkably, inexplicably gave us all of their draft picks to the end of time for Laramie Tunzel last season, including their first rounder in 2021, which right now stands as the third overall pick in wow. the 2021 draft. So if the Tennessee Titans win, that means the Houston Texans solidify their dumbassery by giving us the third overall pick to a playoff team. Chris, how bonkers is this? You and I talked about this off the air that we're talking about getting into the playoffs, but also who are we going to pick with our amazingly high draft pick this season? We've had both of these discussions before, but never in the same season at the same fucking time. It's like the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. But here we are rooting for the Miami Dolphins to win and the Houston Texans to lose so that we can get into the playoffs and then also get an impact player at number three overall. It's absolutely crazy it's like uh, a fantasy you know what they say like if you can like uh create a woman in your mind on a computer and you have the perfect woman this is like the perfect dolphin season well what is it well um we go to the playoffs with 11 wins oh and we have the top three pick in the draft with one of the deepest drafts in history for positions of need like are you kidding me with the pass rushers available the receivers available um it's unbelievable we're having this conversation sam it is like you said normally these are individual conversations oh what's a good draft pick oh side item you know next year oh playoffs let's talk about that oh we're, we're picking 28th no we're picking better than last year when we fucking tanked a better draft position with more depth in the weapons that we we, we need there is some of the best receivers coming out in years that are going to be in the top five there's a lineman sam that started at oregon Pule or something they samoan or pacific samoan or something uh please don't kill me if i got that wrong because you are gigantic and uh he played started left tackle at 17 at oregon university and he absolutely demolishes people he makes robert hunt look like a cupcake he would tell jamie nails he's a bitch for singing in choir like he's that tough so that guy's there you've got like you know chase naji harris all these different guys it's unbelievable you can go pits with florida you can go uh the the dn micah Mika parsons from penn state there are so many options sam that we're discussing this and by the way we are the five seed in the playoffs what the fuck am i on because this is amazing uh, well, there's so many things there. Uh, number one, Pacific Samoan. Um, just so we know, the, the Isle of Samoa is in the Pacific Ocean. So I don't care. I don't know what part of the ocean, you know, what part of Samoa he's from. But either way, he's from Pacific Samoa. Uh, just so that we're clear, Chris. I'm technically not wrong. Sorry, I almost spit my beer out. No, that's- that's, uh, that's just like saying a male boy. You know, like I don't understand what. <laughs> Well, let's move on. Let's move on to the other thing that you said that was really disturbing, but also very accurate was that if you could build the perfect woman, somehow uh, she would have Bill O'Brien's brains, right? Like, it's just like, that's, that's the perfect woman. Well, I don't know. She would, uh, she'd look like Selma Hayek and, you know, she would talk like, like an, I don't know, Fran Drescher and, oh, by the way, with Bill O'Brien's brains. I don't know. I picked people. Don't leave me alone. Fran uh, <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> Oh, it's officially the last show of the year. Last game of the season, at least regular season. Hopefully I didn't jinx him right there. And uh, you know what? I I think the Miami Dolphins are going to win this game, but I'm going to let you go first here, Chris. How do you see this one playing out? How do the Miami Dolphins make it to the playoffs? Do they do it by having somebody else lose or do they win against the Buffalo Bills and just take care of business themselves? Win and you're in, baby. And uh, I said it last week, just win, baby, like Al Davis. And we won in the most ridiculous fashion possible. Here's the thing. Win and you're in. Sam, we're winning and we're in. I don't want to count on anybody else. Flores doesn't either. He told them at the end of the season last year after we beat the Patriots that this is just the beginning. Okay? And that's that's us. I, I They're talking about NFL now on my lunch break. 
uh, they're discussing the NFC East and how terrible it is that this team's going to get in a playoff and they're going to have like seven, eight wins or whatever. Historically, teams that get into the uh, playoffs with those records do well. They win their first game, maybe two. Here's the thing with all that. Obviously, we're going to have a better record than that. Get in the dance. That's it. Get in the dance, especially during COVID. Could you imagine if there's a playoff game and all of a sudden, like, we're playing the Titans and then Tannehill gets COVID? Like, he's out. Like, what are you going to do? Like, there's no Marcus Mariota. You got to play, buddy. It's playoffs. There's so many variables. Just get in and give your team a chance. Don't leave it to chance um, to the Raiders, uh, to the Colts losing, to the Baltimore losing, to Cleveland losing. Go out there and beat them. And I really think the Bills are going to be smart here, which is something I would do. You're vying for the two or three spot. What's the difference? Steelers already kind of came out and get, showed their hand. I think McDermott and the Bills are going to be smart and do the same thing. There's no fans in the crowd that like kind of boo this decision or like tempt him to keep guys out there. I really see them finishing the game with Jimmy Clausen or whoever the hell their backup quarterback is. And I see us winning this game pretty It'll be nervous at first, I think, but I think we're going to end up winning this one probably around 34 to 20. Well, there you go. He's got it 34 to 20. I see us winning this game as well. I think the Miami Dolphins pull out all the stops. I mean, we can talk about Chan Gailey and we'll talk about Chan Gailey another time, whether he's a good play caller, bad play caller, making good decisions, bad decisions, whatever the case may be. But you can't deny that the Miami Dolphins have had a lot of trick plays, whether it be on special teams, whether it be on offense. They're utilizing the talent that's there, whether they have a lot of talent or not. They're trying to do things to put their guys in a position to win. I think they do that this week. I don't think they wait to, you know, get to a wildcard weekend and start doing all this trickeration or anything like that they're going to do it this game they're going to pull out the stops you're going to see flea flickers you're going to see the statue of liberty you're going to see the annexation of puerto rico you're going to see all kinds of different plays out there that's going to happen this week against the buffalo bills who may or may not even be you know like excited to be there so i think the miami dolphins win this game i don't have them getting 34 i don't have the bills getting 20 i have the miami dolphins getting 27 i have the bills getting 21 with a late touchdown just to make it look closer than it actually is but i see the miami dolphins winning regardless 27 21 you have it 34 20 either way we see the miami dolphins going from 5 and 11 to 11 and 5 getting in to the playoffs not only as just the, the extra seventh seed chris if we win this game we're the fifth seed you know we're a legit playoff team we would be the best team in the afc to not win a division i mean that, that's that's quite frankly like the best you can hope for us considering what the buffalo bills have already done this season so i uh, I'm remarkably proud of this team. I'm remarkably proud of everything they've been able to do. I think we're going to be celebrating this time next week, talking about whoever it is we'll be playing in the playoffs. But either way, you have them winning. I have them winning. The citizens of Perfectville have them winning. It's going to be an amazing Sunday, week 17. Yeah, I can't wait, Sam. And it's one of those things where just enjoy it, guys. Uh, I can't believe this year has already gone by so fast. Like Sam said, we couldn't be more proud of a franchise to now be well-spoken in the national media for the respect to be there for former players, current players, um, other teams. It just Brian Flores has done something unbelievable and to win five games with uh, everything against you last year and guys that you've never heard of on the team. It just shows how much his team and his players love him, love playing for him and how good of a coach he is. And then schematically, when you think of our defense and how we're doing things against Jared Goff and, and scheming things up and beating these teams and winning games we normally don't, um, the future is very bright. And we talked about it with the draft selection coming up. And, and we talked about the first round too, Sam. That means the second round picks also like the third overall in the second round, which is unbelievable. Options to trade up, trade back, get more, who knows. Uh, the future is super bright for the Miami Dolphins. And here in Perfectville, we should be – ecstatic and that's why i don't like the infighting let, let, let's enjoy the shit out of this because we know how bad it is to suck yeah, we do and uh, shout out to the miami Dolphins special teams at the end of the las vegas raiders game where they kept the streak alive and got themselves a turnover on the very 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 last play of the game uh to keep it at 20 or 21 games if i'm not mistaken i think we keep that streak alive against the backup quarterback for the buffalo bills in week 17 uh chris anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here Real quick, shout out to Dieter from Harris Teeter, my guy. Thanks for listening, man. Dieter, Dieter, pumpkin eater. Hopefully you uh, eat pumpkin. Otherwise, that's just a silly, silly statement by me. Shout out to Dieter and uh, shout out to all the citizens of Perfectville. Thank you once again for an amazing, amazing season of shows here at Welcome to Perfectville. This is the last one for 2020, but not the last one ever. We'll see you guys on the other side where the Miami Dolphins will be 11-5 and, and in the playoffs. We'll be 
in the year 2021, and we'll be talking shit about whoever our first-round opponent is going to be. But for now, on behalf of Chris, the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, myself, and everybody from the Fanatics Network, the only thing left to say is goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.